The following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Earthlings. This is Captain Smellsogood of the Starship Smelly Prize with my international co-host, Sayonai. And when we're not soaring through the cosmos looking for alien chicks, we're hanging out in the nuttiest head on and off the internet. That is the Jackal Head. Yeah. Are we ready to blast off? You are about to enter a new dimension in What the heck happened last night? Hang on to your hats because you're about to go on a heck of a ride through time, space, and the multiverse. How do I reach these kids? Atlanta, Georgia, Greensboro, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, Chicago, Tampa, Florida, Miami, Dallas, Texas. I don't care where the city is. How do I reach these kids? And with all the high-tech gizmos these days? The biggest trick the Jackal ever pulled was to convince the world that he doesn't exist. I reach these kids. The Jackal. And we're live on Inside the Jackal's Head right here on PSN Radio. Thank you, everybody, for being with me here tonight and joining on the show. Appreciate your company. Hopefully you have a good time, and hopefully you enjoy our guest. Mr. Lauren Leo is going to be with us, the author of the book Dragon Flame. And he wants you to tap into your reservoir of power using talismans, Manifestations and Visualizations, says the book. It's a really cool book, and uh, it's going to be an interesting show, to say the least. Guys, it's been uh, just a beautiful week. Tonight it's Sunday, May the 18th, 2014, and I hope everybody's had a a great week. Uh, I've had a decent week myself, and, um, you know, it's funny because I first off, right off the bat, I had to uh, cancel a show a couple weeks ago, and... I wanted to apologize to the guest, Lauren Leo, who's going to be with us again in a few minutes. But, uh, you know, it was it was one of those things where I had to call the show at the last minute. My mother's going through a procedure. And, you know, we, we're getting uh, some news this week. Uh, hopefully it's good in the next uh, week and a half. Uh, hopefully we get good news. And I want to update everybody who's been emailing me and sending me uh, Facebook comments and stuff, wishing her well. And I want to thank everybody for doing such. I uh, really appreciate your kind words and all the positive energy that you're sending her away which i do believe positive energy does work and you know she's in good spirits and good health uh, so far from you know as good as she could be anyway but uh anyway we have a lot of stuff to cover tonight before we get to our guest lauren leo uh, a couple of items uh, that i wanted to get through one is dealing with a movie that just came out this week and is breaking all kinds of records godzilla Roars into theaters with an opening of $93.2 million. A lot of money for Godzilla. I also want to cover a story that is on Daily Mail. And it's, uh, it says here, Are these mystery radio burst messages from aliens? Going to cover that in a minute here. Bobby Kennedy ordered Marilyn Monroe murdered. A new book uh, on the subject has come out. And it claims that he is the one who ordered Marilyn Monroe dead. And uh, that's uh, 
I mean, that's one of those stories that'll never die, even if they actually get to, uh, you know, have definitive proof. There's still going to be somebody that comes out saying, "Well, I don't know. This could have been why she died." Or it's like the J- like JFK's assassination. But this uh, is an interesting tie-in. It ties into JFK and. Robert Kennedy apparently himself ordered her execution. I'm going to get to that story in a second. Also, this is a bizarre story. And uh, f- follow me along here. You know, last last I heard, the Nazi Party, back when Hitler was around, uh, you know, they believed in the Aryan race, right? They were they were racist. They believed in white supremacy. Well, there's a, a New York uh, cab driver. Uh, he's uh, New York's black Nazi. And uh, he has been accused of wearing a swastika. Uh, and, man, let me tell you, he's about to get banned as a cab driver up in New York. This is a, a very funny story. His name is Gabriel Diaz. He's a, a black uh, Dominican Nazi. That's right. I am not kidding. He's a black Dominican Nazi. Uh, a crazy, crazy week in news for sure. Godzilla roared into the box office this week with a tone of $93.2 million. And it says here, one of the most anticipated movies of the summer by Legendary Pictures, uh, the reboot of the classic Godzilla monster movie, roared into theaters on Thursday night with a killer showing of $9.3 million from Thursday's previews. That was added into Friday's gross of $38.5 million, which is on par with some of the other recent openers, but even with a slight drop on Saturday, it was still able to become the uh, the third movie to open with over $90 million in the last two months, following Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and The Amazing Spider-Man 2 with an estimated $93.2 million over the weekend. So, great number Numbers for Godzilla, and it's great to see that it's doing well because you know the last one that came out in '98 didn't do that well, and uh, you know I thought for sure the 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 whole genre for Godzilla was kind of dead in the water, pun you know, excuse the pun, uh, but uh, it's doing really well, and that's really good to see, and uh, you know there'll probably be a sequel or two. Now the thing is, you know, how will it hold up? I haven't seen the movie myself, but I have a, a few friends who've seen it, and their reviews have been mixed. Most of the people that I've talked to haven't really liked the movie uh, online. A lot of people are bashing it and stuff. Some people have liked the movie. One of the complaints is that the monster's not in the movie enough, which is, uh, you know, that's that's never a good thing. When you're making a movie like Godzilla, you want to see the monster. That's kind of like the purpose of having Godzilla in the movie. But it says here, 14.1 million of Godzilla's domestic opening weekend came from its uh, 352 IMAX screenings, the third best showing for the format after last year's Iron Man 3 and previous summer's the Avengers. While doing better in the format than last summer, Star Trek Into Darkness internationally, IMAX accounted for about 7.5 million of Godzilla's grosses on 186 screens. That, you know, IMAX is growing every year. There's more and more screens that are coming aboard, but IMAX is awesome. That's the best way to watch this kind of movie. Uh, reportedly budgeted at 160 million world, uh, 160 million. Edwards' uh, movie received a B plus cinema score from exit polls. And while reviews and word of mouth have been mixed, like I said, it should offer some strong competition for X-Men Days of Futures Past over the Memorial Day weekend. Or as some are calling it, X-Men Days of Possible Flop. Uh, Look, I know there's some X-Men fans out there listening right now. I'm not one of them. But Sony Pictures, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, took in slightly less of a dramatic plunge on its third weekend, dropping to third place with a $16.8 million 
which is down 53% as it brought its domestic total to $172.2 million. And internationally, the movie took in another $31.5 million, bringing its overseas total to about $461 million. That's a worldwide gross of about $600 million, uh, with uh, $633 million in China alone. Uh, it took in, in China alone, it took in $13.5 million. Uh, this weekend, uh, to bring the country's total for the movie up to about $78.5 million. So that's the total it's brought in in China. See, China's becoming a real big player in the movie uh, scene. You know, it's funny because King Young Il, the father of the new Il Young Kim, or whatever the new guy's name is, uh, you know, his dad was really, really into movies, like big time into movies before he died. And I'm sure the new Il Young Kim guy or son Kim... Junior, whatever his name is, I'm sure he's into like the cinema stuff. Also, the Chinese love Hollywood movies, man. They love our cinema. Uh, they always have. So it's not shocking to me that movies are making close to a hundred million dollars over there. And eventually, you're going to see movies that make two, three hundred million that are American-made movies because they love cinema. You know, it's one of the uh, little-known secrets that China loves American Hollywood. Now it says here, Marvel Studios Captain America: The Winter Soldier crossed the seven hundred million mark. Confirmed, ladies and gentlemen. Mark globally. This weekend, uh, it passed that as it fell just below Rio 2 domestically for the 8th place with just under $3.8 million. The sequel, uh, The sequel's domestic gross is about a $250 million uh, at the moment. $250.6 million to be exact. And it's edging closer to the Lego movie to become the top grossing movie of the year. Still has another, uh, I think, maybe four weeks, five weeks left before it'll probably be out of the top uh, 15 or 20. So uh, it could still take on the Lego movie. You know, I'm surprised there hasn't been a $300 million blockbuster domestically this year. It's kind of uh, shocking that uh, we're in May already, almost the middle of the year, and you still haven't seen that big $300, $400 million blockbuster. A lot of people thought that Amazing Spider-Man 2 was going to be that movie, and Unfortunately, it did not do as well as they thought it would do. It's still doing, you know, gangbuster money. It still might make $230, $240 million. But uh, overall, it's kind of uh, not as good as the last Spider-Man movies. So, you know, there's that. Now, moving on to uh, more uh, more important news, I guess you could say. Um, well, I guess important to some. Some think Godzilla is the greatest thing ever, so... Uh, let's see here. The uh, next uh, topic I wanted to get to is Bobby Kennedy, again, like I said earlier, ordered Marilyn Monroe's murder by lethal injection, this article says. And uh, it says he did it to prevent her from revealing her uh, torrid affair with RFK himself and with his brother JFK. Now, the new book sensationally claims uh, to have finally solved the mystery surrounding her death. Now, investigative journalists Jay Margolis and Richard Buskin believe they've actually laid to rest the uh, notion that Marilyn committed suicide and reveal just how they think the screen goddess really died. And the article is, again, from DailyMail.uk. I'm going to read a little bit here. It says, Marilyn Monroe's death on August 4th, 1962 was not a suicide, but a murder orchestrated by Robert Kennedy or Bobby Kennedy or... RFK, whatever, uh, to silence her and uh, to silence her as she was about to reveal all the dirty Kennedy family secrets. Dun, dun, dun. She kept logged in a little red diary. And Bobby did not act alone. He said he had co-conspirators in her murder. And his brother-in-law actor Peter Lawford and Marilyn's uh, psychiatrist, Dr. Ralph Greenson, who gave her uh, who gave the star the fatal injection 
uh, is also uh, in, involved in this uh, triangle of murder. Those are the explosive allegations detailed in the blockbuster new book written by Jay Margolis himself and, again, his longtime investigative reporter and partner. And uh, it says here, Monroe, let me see. It says, a longtime investigative reporter and Monroe expert Richard Buskin. Uh, the new, he also works for the New York Times, and he's written best-selling uh, books. Actually, he's been he's written thirty non-fiction best-selling books. Jeez, I haven't even read that many books. This guy's written thirty of them. Holy moly! Uh, it says here the volume. Uh, let me see. The murder of Marilyn Monroe's uh, case is now closed. Uh, claims to uh, blow the lid off the world's most notorious and talked about celebrity death through the eyewitness testimonies and interviews. And uh, well, you could, you know, look. This is uh, just another uh, tell-all book that can be confirmed or denied. Really, it's been so many years. You know, why why even write a book like this? Honestly, I mean, there's really no point to it at this point. It's one of those mysteries that just it's almost better off just left untouched. You know, like left unsolved. Like, what are they going to solve thirty years later in the Marilyn Monroe case? And especially, you know, they're saying is uh, you know it's Robert Kennedy who did it. Okay, Robert Kennedy's dead. What what are they going to possibly solve? 30 plus 40 years later, whatever, you know, and honestly, this is just, uh, it's stupid, it really is, but anyway, you know, whoever is into uh, the Kennedy assassination or the Marilyn Monroe assassination, I'm sure we'll get a, a kick out of reading that article, I did post it over on my Facebook page, uh, my like page, if you guys want to check it out, it's uh, facebook.com forward slash inside period jackals period head, period head. Anyway, or you can actually just go to uh, Inside the Jackal's Head on Facebook, and uh, it'll be posted right on there also. Now, the last article that I wanted to get to, this is really, really funny. Not many times in your life can you actually say that there's a person who is Dominican, black, and a Nazi in the same sentence. It just doesn't happen, right? This guy's name is Gabriel Diaz. He's 27. He insists that his rights were violated when he was banned from driving his city cab for wearing a hateful symbol, the Nazi swastika. He says that uh, gays would have to apologize for being gay for him uh, to be sorry for being a Nazi. He actually said that. Now, Dominican, uh, the, New the Dominican New York City cab driver who proudly calls himself a Nazi and denies the Holocaust, he denied the... Uh, how dumb do you have to be to deny that the Holocaust happened? Really? Denying the Holocaust? But uh, anyway, he's been suspended for wearing uh, the swastika on his arm as an armband while working. And that's another thing. You know, why would you wear that when you're at work? I mean, common sense really would say, don't wear the swastika. Like... Drive your cab, but don't wear the swastika. I mean, really? What kind of a statement are you possibly trying to make? That uh, I'm an idiot? I'm a dumbass? I mean, and you know you're going to get, like, weird looks and stares and all kinds of stuff, right? So, I mean, really, what is this guy thinking? This here, uh, Guillermo Diaz says uh, his rights of freedom of speech were violated. That's not freedom of speech. It's freedom of expression. Get it right, first of all. And it says here, if a Muslim can drive a cab while wearing a turban, if a homosexual can walk around with a big rainbow flag, why can't a person like me wear a Nazi armband? Diaz asked the New York Daily News. <sighs> and I'm a national socialist, he says. What you guys call a Nazi. 
my God. Uh, he told WCBS, uh, despite not being a member of the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Aryan master race, he says, look, I know it's very controversial, but that a non, uh, non-white is wearing a Nazi armband, he told the Daily News. No kidding. Uh, whoever said that you had to be white to be at a National Socialist? Uh, he even denied the Holocaust to the Daily News. He uh, he says, "Man, we've he said we've been told lies about Hitler." He argued uh, when asked about the death of six million Jews who you know, died and got cooked in ovens. He said, "Well, you know, we've been told lies about everything. You know, a lot of lies. All the videos of you know the poor Jews." lined up to be executed and they were all like 50 pounds you know like oh that's all lies it's all cgi right that's to this guy it's all lies uh, so the but the man insisted that the new york post photographer wearing a Eurmolk, whatever the hell that is uh that he doesn't hate the jews he says uh, nothing against you people oh of course no yeah nothing against you people no no, nothing at all. I'm not anti-Semitic. No, my best friend's a Jew. You know, uh, it says here, why do you, uh, why don't you tolerate my views? He asks. He repeated three. He repeated these claims to uh, WCBS. I don't hate the Jews. I'm critical no. of them. No, no. I don't hate them. No. That doesn't mean that no. I'm anti-Semitic. No. That don't make no. me a hater. being tied down to your computer but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go TalkStream live introduces our first ever iphone application the talk shows you follow now follow you and your iphone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the internet listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day seven days a week mobile talk radio from TalkStream live now available in the itunes app store Free stuff for you just for listening to this station. Yeah, we got your attention. Here's how it works. You click on the radio loyalty banner right now and sign up. Then you keep on listening like you already do. But now you earn points. Those points add up, and you can trade them in for cool stuff in the radio loyalty store. Earn more points by sharing your station with friends on Facebook and Twitter, answering surveys, and by using the apps in the new player's app store. Pretty simple. Free stuff just for doing what you already do. Radio loyalty. Click the banner to join now. Roswell. UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Free stuff for you just for listening to this station. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Remember... 
Future Theater can be heard every Monday night at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, with your host, Bill, that's me and Nancy. Hi, Karumba. Burns, and we are broadcasting live right here on PSN Radio. Breaking the walls down. This is radio. This is what people want. To download the podcast, make sure you go to www.futuretheater.com. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person, too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. Everybody, welcome back to Inside the Jackal's Head live again on PSN-Radio.com and, of course, SoFloRadio.com. I want to welcome my guest now, the author of the book Dragon Flame, Mr. Lauren Leo, to the show. Lauren, uh, a real pleasure to talk to you. I know that uh, this is a couple weeks in the making, having you on the show. Thank you for being here, sir. No problem. Thank you for having me on. Now, I want to you know get my audience uh, introduced uh, to your work and to your background a little bit before... Uh, uh, we continue on. So before we start talking about the book, which is a great book, by the way, I've been going through it all week. Uh, but I wanted to, uh, to, like I said, introduce them to your background and to your to your history as a writer. Uh, can you talk about your past a little bit before we get into the book? Yeah, like sure. I, I've been uh, researching the occult and magic, high magic, low magic, Wicca for years. been curious about it since I was a little boy, actually. And I've traveled extensively. Throughout uh, the United States and um, Western Europe, through um, also uh, the Middle East as well, and study the occult. I also have great practices from the Western Mystery School, Golden Dawn, as well as um, basic Wicca tradition. And uh, I never considered myself a writer until recently, and uh, that all came about because of Dragon Flame and the actual talisman that came to me. So the now, the background of researching the occult for all of those years culminated in the vision of the dragon and talisman. Gotcha. Now you said you were a member of the Golden Dawn, right? I, I studied through the Golden Study. Dawn, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're actually the second person I've had on the show who studied the Golden Dawn. Uh, another person by the name of Brian McComas. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Uh, he went by the handle of Divini. Uh, he used to be on the show a lot, and uh, he, you know, talked to us a lot about the Golden Dawn and the Kabbalah on this show. Now, you study the Kabbalah also in part of your studies. Uh, you know, what interested you in, in these subjects uh, growing up? I mean, what was it that got you interested in, in learning about this stuff? Well, the Kabbalah really, I've learned from studying it for so many years, and actually at this point, let's differentiate between the rabbinical Kabbalah and the practical Kabbalah. 
the, the rabbinical or Hebraic Kabbalah is monotheistic. And I study the practical Kabbalah, which is pantheistic, polytheistic, has more gods, goddesses, and um, it, it's really the backbone of magic. Uh, the belief system allows you to work magic. Um, and what got me interested in it, I think, was just sheer curiosity and wanting to learn more about magic. And at the time, wanting to learn more about myself, how to further develop psychic ability and learn more sacred knowledge. So it was really curiosity. I, I would say that was the motivating factor and also trying to understand myself and understand you know, where I was headed in life. You know, Kabbalah has a, an amazing way of doing that for someone that if you study it long enough and diligently, it changes your life. Now, when you say magic, can you explain to us a little bit of uh, what kind of magic we're talking about? Uh, yeah, well, my book, Dragon Blame, it covers all the different genres of magic. It mm -hmm. covers what's known as low magic or Wicca and high magic. So the difference in low magic and high magic, according to me, in my opinion, is really the practice of the Kabbalah. So low magic or Wicca has to do with more of the natural Mother Earth magic um, religion. Um, high magic is based more in practical Kabbalah and the vibration of God names. So there's a, a, a difference between the two, and it's highly debatable, but in my opinion, that's the, the biggest difference between the two. And my oh, book okay. has both. So I, I, talk, I talk about Wicca and witchcraft. I talk about high magic and the practical Kabbalah, how to utilize both. But I also throw a smattering of alchemy in as well. And really the, the crux of my book is about self-transformation. It's how do you change your life using magic. And that's where a lot of the motivation came from and myself as well, to write the book. And alchemy is really evolution. It's how do we evolve quicker. And it, it's a process that changes your life immediately as soon as you start to look into it because it, we're all evolving, but at what rate? We want to evolve quicker. So that's really what my book's about. Um, how do you evolve quicker? Really, how do you utilize alchemy? How do you utilize it in the proper way to change your life? And my book is the magical formula for that, which boils down to something very simple. It's concepts, three concepts. Goal plus purpose plus sacrifice equals guided change. And really, those are the three concepts that you need to make magic work. So, you know, the, my definition of magic is utilizing something more than your physical body. I believe we're more than our physical body. We can utilize energies to create our destiny. I think we work 50-50 with destiny. Um, and if we use this magical formula, then we can create our goals. We can change our lives. Question: Were the the secrets were the secrets or the laws of attraction uh, would that come into play with some of the, the the stuff you're talking about with magic? 
It does, and I'm asked that often. It comes into play only because they are really a common denominator in magic. They're hermetic axioms, and what I mean by that is that they are laws of the universe. Um, One of the major hermetic axioms that I use in my book is as above, so below, which really uh, means what we think. I'm making this very, very simple, but what we think is what we're going to ultimately manifest. Right. And there's a great truth behind that. If you concentrate on something long enough and hard enough, somehow, some way, you're going to attract that into your life. You're going to create what you want and bring it into your trajectory. So how do you do that properly? So I have a lot of clients that asked me, you know, look, I'm, I'm really curious about magic. I want to change my life. I don't know how to do it. I'm lighting candles. They're not working for me. Um, I, I'm focusing on creative visualization, and it's not materializing the way I want it to. And why? And, you know, why, why is it working for you and not for me? So my answer to them <clears throat> is that it took many, many years for me to learn how to make it work for me uh, through trial and error and studying and messing up and finally having a spontaneous illumination and a lucid dream of this talisman, dragon flame, and the, the formula and the concept. So the, the concept of creating a goal, aligning it with a purpose, and consciously choosing a sacrifice will create guided change. It will change your life. It will help you. So it's not something that can be expected immediately. You can't expect an immediate result from it. I mean, sometimes that happens, but it's a slow process, and you have to study it and focus on the formula, and it does work. I mean, it's how I changed my life. It's how I wrote my book. Now you go through on the book here different colors of uh, the of uh, I guess uh, the colors of spirituality, color of desire, the color of the sun. Uh, you know different colors of the talisman. Um, can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that? Whether what's the difference between the different colors? Sure, sure. Well, you know, and colors have different connotations for everyone. So for me, I can look at the color gray and see power in it, because to me, gray is utilizing both the white and pure aspect of who you are, and also the black or dark aspect, and we're both. If we don't understand that we're both good and bad at the same time, or positive and negative at the same time, then we're really shunning this part of us, and we're not learning from it. We're, we're living in fear. So whenever we say that we're going to create something, a goal, or a concept, and start to bring it into our life, we want to do it with all of the power that we have. If you want to utilize all of your power, then you're going to utilize all of who you are. So to me, that's both white and black, and that mixture together creates gray. So that's one of the most important colors 
I believe, uh, is the mixture of who we are, our entirety. Now, as far as the other colors, those take on different connotations as well. You can look at the color blue and um, think of air and air, the element of air in magic represents thoughts and how to utilize your thoughts. And the more we hone our thought, we can perfect our craft, whatever that may be, whatever the talent is that we're trying to work on. Um, you know, and gold is the color of the sun, is the color of enlightenment, our higher self. So the colors come into play uh, very powerfully, and um, we work with symbols uh, every day of our life. They they speak to us in a nonverbal fashion. It's very important. That's why I also use tarot in the book. And I describe the different concepts behind magic, behind the dragon flame symbol and talisman, via color and the tarot, because these are images could speak to us in a nonverbal fashion and actually stimulate or awaken a latent energy within us. That's very true. You know, uh, the reason I brought the color uh, scheme up is uh, because it, it is identifiable with just about every symbolism, even the symbolism that we get uh, within uh, society today, you know, with uh, icons for companies and logos and, and, and all the symbolism that's out there. A lot of the colors they use are based on this. I mean, it's basically uh, made to get your attention, to talk to you with, you know, in, this, in a uh, almost a subliminal way. Oh, absolutely. I agree. I mean, it's, and it's also put together by people that are strategizing. Right. You know, this is people that are thinking in uh, a large en masse uh, production. How do we catch people's attention? How do we capture particular demographics? So, yes, they see the natural, when we say they, anyone that's into advertising, sees the power behind color and the potency and using it in a subliminal fashion. So it does have a great impression on our psyche and it does, it does. awaken latent energies and forces within us. Now let me ask you, how far back does magic uh, go in, in this world? Because I know, you know, Wicca and witchcraft, all that stuff has been around for uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, but uh, how far back do you think it actually goes that this information uh, has been available? Hmm, that's a good question. Magic, in my opinion, is timeless. And again, we get into this heavy territory of what's beyond our physical body and our subconscious mind. So, in my opinion, our subconscious mind is connected to what I call the astral realm, which is a realm that is a realm of the mind and our thoughts. It's where everything exists before it exists here on this earth realm. So on the earth realm, we're in three dimensions. It's a slower, heavier vibrational rate. On the astral realm, it's a lighter vibrational rate. It's more ethereal. 
so it's non-corporeal. So it, it's beyond a third dimension. And that's really where magic exists. Mm. When we say magic, when I say magic, I'm talking about where the energy exists to create initially in order to make change here on the earth plane. So how long has magic existed? It's timeless. And the question can be answered in a, a kind of chronological approach to history with magic, um, which is interesting and that's an entirely different conversation, but it can also be answered in what I think is a, a more intriguing fashion, which is psychologically and um, esoterically speaking. And it exists and has existed before the earth plane existed. So it's how do you connect to it? If you right. connect to it through your subconscious mind, through altered states, which I talk about altered states in my book. I talk about the alpha state, which is one of the four brainwave states often because it's the alpha state that you want to allow yourself to fall into in order to connect with your subconscious mind and the astral realm in order to manifest your goal on the material realm. Now, do you astral project yourself? Or, I mean, is that something that you've done in the past? I have. Uh, astral projection was something that I had a great interest in. Um, when I realized that the the ability to create change on the earth plane started in the mind's eye or in the subconscious realm or in the astral realm. I, I practiced and meditated to have more control of my unconscious mind and my astral body. And, uh, you know, it takes a lot of work in order to have your point of consciousness lead your physical body. I bet. But, now, you, you've been studying this for 30 or three decades. I don't want to say 30, but three decades. How long would it take somebody to learn how to astral project themselves? Everyone's different. Some people have it naturally. They just leave their body naturally. Um, also, uh, according to my studies, everyone leaves their body every night. It's just mm. a matter of remembering the actual astral projection. Um, from my own experiences with it, I believe that if you focus on it long enough and hard enough that you did a 30-day meditation, that you could have an experience with 30 days, within the 30 days, that it, it, you would have to follow a routine and meditate and calm your mind and bring your attention to your physical body and also um, after you bring it to your entire physical body, bring that conscious point to your mind's eye and try to let go of the physical body. Um, and it's so much more in-depth, but that's just the beginning approach. I meditated for... It took me... I was naturally inclined to leave my body since I was a little boy. But it took me many years, probably close to 20 years, to wow. be able to have even slight control over it. There are other people that 
sometimes once they enter that state and fall into an altered state for the first time, that they're, they're comfortable with it, and they can do it as often as they like. Everyone's what? different. Everyone's psyche is different. The only common denominator that we all have is the ability to create and the mm-hmm. energy force known as Kundalini that's sitting at the base of our spine. That's a common denominator. We all have that. We all have the ability to be psychic, to create, to use a magical force, to leave our bodies. So much more than just the earth realm and our physical body. Now, what kind of feeling do you get when you're about to leave your body? Is there a physical feeling that you actually get that comes over you? It feels uh, like uh, vibrations coming through you. Okay. And... Uh, your entire body feels like it's filled with vibrations and they, you match that frequency, at least I do. I attempt to match that frequency and as you match that frequency, it frees you from your physical body. And really what that is, it's the expansion of the aura. And when that's happening, when you finally realize that that's what it is, that's when you're able to calm down because it can be very frightening at first because you're experiencing an altered state. And generally, that's what happens when people go to a hypnotherapist. If they go long enough and allow the hypnotherapist to do their work, the person can go to an altered state and as they're entering the altered state, often they become frightened because they don't know what they're experiencing. They stop themselves from experiencing it. A lot of people are frightened by it because it feels like you're dying, like you're leaving your body. You don't know what's happening. Right. But my initial, um, for me, when I lay down to leave my body, there's vibrations that come through me. I match that frequency. And if I'm successful on that first attempt, I will be able to free myself of the confines of my physical body. What do you say to people who take like mind-altering drugs like DMT and stuff to like be able to leave their bodies and astral project? A lot of people have taken ayahuasca. And ayahuasca is another one, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and recreational drugs. I, I, I don't I condone that. It's, uh, it needs to be under... I think that someone needs to know what they're getting themselves into. There's a a risk factor with it, how someone is going to respond to um, the effect of the drug, whatever it may be. But it it does, I'm I'm sure, it it does have an effect on the psyche and on the body, and just like any mind-altering drug would naturally do so, um... You know, I, I have spoken to many people that have taken ayahuasca and they've experienced an amazing, mind-altering experience that changed their life. Do you think they're astral projecting there? Do you think they're actually tapping into another uh, form of reality or is it a hallucination on, the, on that? I'm, you know, it, I'm not sure. It, it could be a mixture of both where they're hallucinating and also somewhere along the line, they're actually able to leave the physical body. But the, the problem whenever you're experiencing 
an altered state that's been induced by a drug is that you're losing control. It's a loss of control. Um, So if you do it without uh, a drug-induced state, you have more control over it. It takes longer, but at least it's a, a purer, cleaner effect to it. It keeps the mind clearer. Um, but, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure that there is an effect from it, and it's probably a mixture to answer your question of hallucination. And at one point, I'm sure that there's some kind of psychic experience that comes into play. And it also opens you to, I would think, entities of a lesser nature. Anyone that um, would, let's say, uh, drink too heavily and take a uh, mind-altering uh, drug as well opens you to uh, lesser entities uh, that will see an opportunity to um, sort of mess with you, I suppose, if you don't know what you're doing. Hmm, that's so interesting. I, I, yeah, it opens you up. It, it, freeze you so much so without you being conscious so you're allowing anything to come into you into your body most people it doesn't happen to thankfully um, but you know we're reaching a more spiritual state with our society people are more interested in their spirituality and expansion and spiritual growth and psychic ability um, we're, we're headed down that path uh, very quickly as time goes on, and you know, with that awareness comes trial and error because we can't evolve unless there's some kind of friction. There's no book that explains how to do this other than mine, <laughs> and you know, there's you know there's you know honestly though there's so many books that explain magic and how to utilize it, but those books exist, as do mine, because it's an interpersonal experience that I've had with it. I worked for 30 years or more on having experiences and studying, and through that had an illumination that allowed me to put my magical formula into writing and share sacred knowledge with people so there are many, many books sharing interpersonal experiences. They are there because of friction. So people are going to naturally find friction in their life in order to evolve. And I think that's where we're headed. And with that uh, idea in mind, back to your original question, I think that people will and have and will continue to take some kind of mind-altering drug to put them into that state. And if they're psychic by nature, then yes, it could open them up to something of a lesser nature or a lesser entity. Which is interesting. You know, where does God come into play in all this? Do you think uh, that there is a being God or is, or is reality a little bit different than what we've been uh, led to believe over the course of history God to me is an energy and I like to say creator 
I don't like to put masculine or feminine onto that energy, at least not in the first sentence of describing the concept right. of right, a concept of that which created us. So I say creator, and if you imagine creator is a source of energy, and out of that source of energy, we need to make sense of it in our mind. How do we make sense of that energy? And then it becomes easier for us to categorize. So God, goddess, masculine, feminine, and that's where the Kabbalah comes in handy because it helps us categorize the different energies of creator. But I think that's a great question because it really, it's, uh, it's the understanding of the aspects of ourself, what's within our own internal universe. Right. It, it's not just male and female energy. It also, at one point, is neutral energy coming from one grand source, creator, and well, how we, we utilize that. We know male and female from here on Earth, but you know who's not to say that we're not the only planet that has male and female. Maybe other planets have uh, one-sex beings that are the intelligent race. Uh, so we really judge you know, God and goddesses by what we know here, to, you know, by what we know of our own species, I guess, male or female. That's what, and, and it's funny because we, you know, we always look at men as being the, the, the dominating of the two sexes or the more dominating one. That's why God has always been seen as a male by the most part by society. Would you say that's true or fair? I would say that, in again, chronologically in history, that, yes, unfortunately, there has been a patriarchal sway. Right. And, you know, it, again, that's changing. Prior to that, it was matriarchal. The woman was able to give life and was therefore revered. Right. And, you know, it's this pendulum swing. We've gone from paganism and the matriarchal society to monotheism and the patriarchal society. And I believe it is now the pendulum is swinging back into, well, of course, neo-paganism and into a more goddess-oriented society. I think it's just a natural rhythm. You know, how, how much of... Uh, it's doing uh, it. How much of religions uh, nowadays uh, borrowed from paganism? Uh, they've borrowed a lot from uh, paganism, from uh, at least Christianity. Is that right? Oh, I believe so. Yeah, it's historically. The, well, remember... <laughs> the paganism was what existed first. Right. There, there was no Christianity until the advent of the ascended master or man known as Yeshua or Jesus. Right. And at that point, history changed. And again, there's a political movement, in my opinion, and I think it just makes sense, you have the emperor of Rome losing power because there's a new religion coming up. So what does he do? He gets the most important people around him and his counselors and says, look, what do I do? I'm starting to lose power. And 
course, they tell them, well, look, you know, let's, let's all get together. Let's talk about this and let's work with I, these new zealots because it's catching on. You don't want to lose power. So we, you know, we have to work with them. And, and there you have the origin of the Bible. So, you know, it's, again, it's political. If people look at, if society looks at the facts, it becomes very unsettling for people that are very religious and old school because they're listening to what a man at a pulpit right. learned from another man from another pulpit and the guy who was his mentor, they're learning from a single source. They're not learning the facts. If the facts were brought into it, then it would be looked at from a different perspective. Lauren, wouldn't you you agree, though, that most of everything that we know in society uh, has been because of that, though? It came from one individual source, and then other sources, you know, either quoted it or added to that original source, and it really all just came from an individual at some point? I talk about that in my book, Dragon Flame, and I believe that, that yes, I mean, and I like to shift that into something called tradition and ancestor worship, and I, you know, we've lost that connection with our ancestors and how to worship our ancestors, and we've lost the respect for tradition. And tradition is very important, and that, I think, is very, um, needs to be put under a microscope and really focused on. The tradition that's handed down from one generation to the next of sacred knowledge should be not adhered to, but studied and should be refined. And I, I discuss that in my book, and I actually have a ritual that involves ancestor worship, and I explain how to do that properly. Now, can you go over that a little bit with us? Ancestor worship, and well, it, it's um, the to start properly with that, you would have to talk about the tools that are necessary, such as an altar and what do you do with the altar? How do you make the altar work? And, uh, and, and all of this, by the way, is in complete detail in my book. I discuss what an altar is, how it works properly, how to put up a magic circle, how to protect yourself, because it's very important when you start to um, work with energies and try to create and change your life. So ancestor worship, the first step would be to create a sacred space, obtain an altar, find some pictures of ancestors that are meaningful to you, and look into it. Sometimes there are ancestors that we're unaware of. Hmm. If you're lucky enough to have a great-grandmother or great-grandfather alive, take full advantage of that. Talk to them. They probably have amazing stories to tell. 
to start with someone alive on the earth plane, <laughs> talk to them, start to get some stories, find pictures, and I go into great detail in my book to say, and it, it's under um, the rituals of transformation. You know, there was one part of the book that really got my attention was uh, the medicine wheel, uh, medication for the soul. And uh, there's a quote in there that is, uh, that's really uh, a quote I think everybody knows. Uh, Mother knows best. And uh, mm-hmm. that is so true. Uh, and, and it talks about how, uh, you know, you're, you can repair yourself just by letting Mother Nature and the Earth repair you. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, I truly believe that everything we need to heal ourselves is here. It's been given to us. It's mm. within Mother Nature. It's within Mother Earth. And I believe that slowly but surely, as history has shown us, it is being revealed to us. And sooner or later, we're going to, modern science will come across something, an herb, an essence, something that will be able to heal us completely. In the meantime, we can utilize the energy of Mother Earth in order to maintain renewed vitality, maintain a healthy state of mind, body, and soul. And we do that in so many ways, so many ways. Uh, One way, for example, is the medicine wheel, and the medicine wheel was used by the American Indians, and uh, it's an ancient technique that is utilized to center yourself, to ground yourself, put you in touch with the energies of the earth, and within the shamanistic tradition, the shaman would leave his body, go into the astral realm, talk to the spirits, or procure a particular energy source and bring it back with him or her to the person who was in need or who was ill and that was done within a sacred circle so it's always with a circle and the medicine wheel uh, appears like a a circle it looks like um, a bicycle wheel with spokes and it's made out of rocks and stones and it's used to draw down the energy and to focus and to center us it's just a brief, very brief description of it. But utilizing it um, is very important to heal ourselves. Now, we're talking about healing ourselves uh, spiritually, uh, healing ourselves uh, emotionally. How about physically? Is that possible through magic also, like physical healing? You're like somebody who might be ill with, like, say, cancer or uh, some, kind of, some other kind of uh, illness? I believe it is. I believe that the energy that exists, and again, we'll go back to the astral realm, mm-hmm. the energy that exists on the astral realm is a life-sustaining energy. And if one is adept enough to pull that energy or draw that energy down, it can be drawn into your 
physical being or to be placed into another person's physical being. And you hear that done often when people say laying on of hands and also it's known as an artificial element within the Western Mystery School tradition or a thought form within the Wiccan tradition or magical tradition. So yes, I do believe that that can uh, that that is a possibility. Um, <clears throat> I also believe that something else comes into play with that that's very important and necessary to talk about, and that's called destiny. Okay. But again, we have, I, in my opinion, so far from what I've learned, and my philosophy changes daily, um, <laughs> because there, there's this wonderful statement that I like to say, which is that. When none of us ever outgrows the need for a teacher, and right. Rice is the best teacher. But um, so we we work fifty fifty with destiny. That's my belief. And uh, if it is someone's destiny to live to a particular age, from what I've seen, it doesn't matter how amazing a magician or a witch is, or if they've been given the ability to pull down energy from the astral realm, the person who is suffering from an illness, if they are meant to pass away at a certain time, they will. Now, that but would negate then free will. I mean, destiny would say, I mean, there, what does that mean with free will? Do we not have free will then? Because we're destined to be here or we're destined to do something that would say that there's no free will. I I would be creator if I could answer that for you. And I often ask. <laughs> I, so you're not that. Good, so you're not the God guy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's a, what a wonderful question, though, Angel. I mean, I ask myself that all the time. And you know, where does our free will begin or end? And where where does destiny come into play? I mean, destiny is. It means destination. In my book, I describe a goal as a destination. You're creating your destiny. You know, I had a vision um, on the astral realm. I had spontaneously left my body and became aware that I was dreaming. So it's called a lucid dream. And I was, when I became aware that I was dreaming, I asked myself, what is destiny? Why are we here? What's going on? And as I had that thought come into my mind, I saw myself as if I was in a chariot traveling through the universe, and I saw this sun rising from the far end of the universe, a galaxy, I should say. And I would you say it was a galaxy far, far away? I'm sorry? Would you say it was a galaxy far, far away? Yeah, <laughs> hey, that was good. But boom, boom. a little Star Wars reference there. <laughs> <laughs> but I, to uh, to finish the the vision that I had, I looked down to my right and I saw reins, and I knew that I could either pick up the reins and be in control of my destiny somewhat, or I could just mm. leave them. So it was a metaphor for me when I woke up out of that. I journaled that and I thought about it and analyzed it. I thought, wow, you know, I, we are 
co-creators who do have 50-50 from my that's experience with Destiny. And that's the best metaphor that I could give to describe that. That's our you know, free will. That reminds me a lot, and going back to a reference of Star Wars here, The Empire Strikes Back. Remember the scene in... The, in uh, Dagobah. I don't know if you're a fan of the Star Wars series, but uh, when Luke is on Dagobah training with Yoda and he's going into the cave and he's taking his weapon with him and Yoda tells him, you don't need to take your weapon. You, your destiny is what it is and what you take in there with you is what you're going to bring in there with you. And he goes in there with the weapon and when he gets out of it, he gets the the face of Vader attacking him uh, because he brought in his own destiny with him. He brought in his, his own uh, war, in a sense. Uh, that kind of reminds me of that scene where you just said. Yeah, it's parallel. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating to me, anything with free will and destiny, because it has such an important role in magic. And we question it as a, a human race. We question it often to the point that, look, it's in Star Wars. And yeah, I'm a great <laughs> fan of Star Wars. So, <laughs> that was pretty cool that you brought that up. I like that. It's a, another great metaphor. Um, you know, it's funny because yeah. I think the, the Star Wars trilogy, especially the original trilogy, are just uh, chalked up with uh, magic metaphors and all kinds of stuff. Uh, even like the Force, uh, the, you know, the original explanation for it is just as a magical field that surrounds us and binds us. You know, it's very spiritual and magical, the original Star Wars uh, theology behind it. Um, you know, a lot of movies do that, though. Do you think that uh, more people in Hollywood are in tuned with, uh, you know, these messages and that's why we see them sprinkled within the movies? Almost certainly. Because it, it comes from creativity. Mm, interesting, and yeah. Where does, where does someone create creativity come from? That has to come from a spark of divinity or connection mm. with divinity. And then it, it makes you, it inspires you. When you're creative and you're inspired, you have this amazing motivation. And that's when you see someone that is a passionate artist. It's how I wrote my book. I became a passionate artist. I had to write down my experience and I wanted to share them with people. So I think that's the motivating factor and that's the magic that comes from the uh, the creativity that is the magic now this is the first book you've written right correct this is the first book i've written and uh, i also have um, short stories that are there's a group of short stories that i've written they're in an electronic magazine that i co-edit it's called the familiar and they are about cool. love tragedy and witches and witchcraft now, what do you think witchcraft and, and witches have such a bad rap in the world? I mean, the witch, witchcraft has been around for, like I said, many, many hundreds of years. So why do you think it's gotten such a bad rap over the last few hundred years? Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> it well, we got so about hard. ten more minutes uh, before we you have ten more minutes to answer that. <laughs> it, it, it's not <laughs> gets us into the territory, once again, of religion and politics. And, uh, you know, the, the two, the two uh, most important things that we should not be talking about, right? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, I, unfortunately, it has a, this stigma to it. And I think it's because most people think 
of witches and witchcraft as a, a person that's made a pact with the devil. Right. Or there's a fear factor in it because there's a level of the unknown mixed with superstition and unfortunate historical um, incorrect facts that have been brought about through Christianity. Um, and really, if I were to give a, a good example of witchcraft, it would simply be the wise woman who was um, you know, able to find the herbs that could heal someone that was burned, or the midwife who is helping another woman give birth. And this is just wisdom. It's pure wisdom that's come through age and trial and error and working with herbs and um, understanding the cycles of the earth and nature. So if people look at it in that manner, rather than a pact with the devil, um, I, I think that they'll, they'll feel a little bit more comfortable with it and take out some of the fear factor. As far as you know, though, Lauren, is there a devil being? Is there an entity known as Lucifer that really exists among us? As far as I know, I have never met or encountered this devil or Satan or anything of that nature. I have encountered on a lucid dreaming level and an astral level my own fears and inner demons that needed to be confronted so that I could have control over them. And we all have those inner demons. And I talk at length in my book about how to gain control by confronting them. Once you have control over that, you're able to remove the obstacles that would hold you back from obtaining success and happiness and fulfillment in all avenues of your life. Really, those fears that we have are fed by society, by a, a force that would want us to believe that we have to suffer in order to obtain something good or would propagate the phrase, oh, money doesn't grow on trees and, <laughs> you, know, and <laughs> you, you need to have a nine-to-five and you can't do what you want to do. Don't, don't be ridiculous. All of those concepts are false and stop us from moving ahead and my book describes how to blow that out of the water because it's what I overcame. And if I can overcome it, anyone can overcome it. That's what I say. And I did it with magic and recreated my life, wrote a book, created success and happiness. So it's possible. And no, I have not encountered the devil. I don't believe that one exists. Just our I'm own. I'm with you on that. I, I'm not a. I don't believe there's a, a devil being or, or even a god being. I think there is an energy that controls everything. Which I guess you could subliminally call him God or call it God or whatever. But I'm with you on the uh, the whole energy, you know, spectrum. 
uh, that controls the entire universe, that energy field or that grid, or heck, the, the force that controls us all. That's right? right? Just like Lucas would yeah. say. Lauren, uh, we're we're almost out of time. I really have had a, a lot of fun having you on the show, but I want to definitely give you a chance to uh, also plug your website and, and tell the audience where they could get the book. I know that it's on Amazon, correct? Correct. The book can be purchased through Amazon. It can be purchased through Barnes & Nobles, um, most any New Age bookstore and bookstore. It can also be downloaded on Kindle and Nook. Very cool. Do you have a website that uh, they can give out to the audience in case they want to follow up with uh, your book and other uh, teachings and other stuff that you're working on? Absolutely. I have a workshop coming up on May 31. It's a Saturday. And oh, cool. it's in my store in Pompano Beach here in Florida. And my store is New Moon Books, Crystals, and Candles. And everything that we're talking about, my psychic counseling, my book dragon playing, the workshops, all of that can be, um, all of the information can be found on my website, newmoonbooks.org, and that's N-E-W-M-O-O-N-B-O-O-K-S.org, newmoonbooks.org. Newmoonbooks.org. Sounds very cool. Now, you know, in the book you do go in, and just before I let you go, I wanted to ask you, you do go into, of course, the moon, the phases of the moon, and all that stuff. Uh, how important is the moon when it comes to uh, to magic overall, though? I mean, what would you place the importance of the moon in general? It's very important. The moon and the sun are the two most visible light sources to us when we look up. So in the evening, we see the moon luminescing on us, and the phases are very important. So we have a, the phase of the new moon to the full moon, which is called the waxing phase, as it is growing larger. And that's when we do magical workings to bring a particular goal into fruition. There's also the phase when it is growing lesser, which is called the waning phase, so from the full moon to the new moon. And that's when we do creative visualizations or meditations and magic to remove obstacles, to banish uh, any kind of negativity or anything that is harming us in our lives. So it's very important, as is the sun. So, you know, with the moon, we need the sun, and we need the opposite they're almost like the yin and yang to each other. But the reason about the moon up is, uh, you know, recently we had um, something called the blood moon. Um, you know, do you cover that at all in the book? Is there something that, you, that you've talked about before, the blood moon? And uh, how relevant is that to anything that you've worked on when it comes to magic? Well, all of the full moons uh, are given names. And I, that particular full moon that you're talking about, the blood moon, um, happens to be given that name because of the usual red aura that is around it and also because of the particular time of year that right. rises full. So it, it's, but again, here we have this great opportunity now to point out the conscious thought, this group consciousness that when you say full blood moon, 
people think of that. So you have a lot of people that are looking at their calendars, saying to themselves, wow, there's something called a full blood moon that's going to happen. And so they, they're creating a group consciousness that exists in an area in the astral realm. So that can be tapped into. Hmm. So it, and it creates a, a particular form of power that can be tapped into. And there's going to be the group consciousness that's curious and fearful, and then there's going to be the group consciousness that understands how to work with the energy. So reading and knowledge is power, right? So right. read about it, learn about it, so that you can utilize that energy properly for yourself without the fear and without any of the superstition with it. Makes sense. You know, Art Bell, a long time ago, did an experiment on his show that uh, uh, where he had a, a mass group of people, you know, his audience, basically. Uh, they were they were trying to get rain in a certain state, and they all concentrated, and they talked about it on the air for a while, and, and it started raining, you know, heavily uh, to the point that it scared him, and he stopped doing those kind of experiments with his listeners on air. Uh, I do believe there's a power of, of consciousness, and we can manifest, and, and we can change our surroundings just by our, our very conscious thought. Uh, I mean, that definitely to believe that. All that is uh, an untapped resource that we have as humanity, uh, which is, uh, it'd be interesting if that's part of our next step in our evolution, which a lot of this, I think, would lead to the next step of our evolution, you think? I, I believe that that is the next step in our evolution is spiritual progress. Yeah. And Spiritual progress means learning how to work together. As soon as there is an absence of a physical body, then we suddenly realize that we're all one. We're from the same energy source. Right, same source, yeah. So our, our minds are all connected. We can all think about the same thing simultaneously. We can't touch it physically simultaneously, not all of us at the same time. So... We're headed into that direction to understand the connection between the third dimension in the physical body and our connection to divinity and our the ability that we're more than our physical body. So these five senses that we have, I believe that we're going to evolve into a race that understands and utilizes the sixth sense and beyond. It would be very interesting to see how it happens, and I'm not quite sure if we'll be alive to see it, Angel. But, you know, <laughs> it's definitely it's happening, that's for sure. It's happening. There, more and more people are interested in it. Yeah, no kidding. And, you know, a lot of this stuff also uh, correlates, I think, and w we will see in the future as, you know, we do evolve more, uh, that it will correlate even to other things like our space brothers, aliens, for example. Uh, I do believe a lot of them are spiritually more advanced than we are, and that's part of the reason why we don't know about them on a disclosed or a disclosure level, because the spiritual levels that we are are not completely there with them yet. Um, you know, and I'm sure in your astral projections, you see not just human beings. I'm sure you've seen other beings as well because I mean a lot of people who have astral projected have come forward saying they've seen the classic greys and they've seen other forms of you know intelligent life as the astral project has that happened to you as well when you astral project what you have on your mind is what you're going to immediately encounter 
until That's you not learn. good for me, though. Let me tell you, Lauren, that can't be good for me. <laughs> for a lot of people, right? Uh, that's where I, I would I was about to follow it up quickly with until you learn to surrender to your higher self. And the higher self is a higher aspect of us, a kind of angelic source and connection to divinity that takes over and guides us when we leave our body. And I have encountered um, entities or I'm not even quite sure what to call them, um, they, when I encountered it, I thought, oh, well, you know, this would be why people believe that aliens exist. Right. I believe that alien could be defined as just what it means, something foreign, something that's unknown, and it, it exists on an astral level. And I keep bringing that up because it was the first step and well one of the it's the the area that exists before we do right it needed to exist in order for us to exist the step above us heading into a more spiritual path or process but yeah I believe that that is if there are aliens that that is where they would be able to travel about freely because it's another dimension. It makes perfect sense. Lauren, thank you so much for being on the show here with us and spending the hour with us. I really appreciate your time. And Again, everybody, the book is called Dragon Flame, and the author is Lauren Leo. Please check uh, his work out on Amazon.com. And uh, once again, Lauren, uh, give us your website address one more time before we let you go. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Sure, give us your website address one more time before we let you go for the evening. Sure, it's newmoonbooks.org. Newmoonbooks.org. Everybody, please check the website out. Uh, Lauren, again, thank you so much for spending your time here with me, man. It's uh, it's always a pleasure uh, to have uh, people from uh, Warwick join us here on the show, and uh, you've been great. Uh, I'm going to definitely go through the book uh, again, and uh, I'm going to uh, follow up with you. And when you have another book, please uh, contact us so we can have you back on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. And Angel, may the force be with you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Guys, stick around. We'll be right back here on Inside the Jackal's Head in about uh, five on the other side from the break. May the force be with you all. consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology preventative maintenance and networking support hardware and custom built computers let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly monthly or annual rates to fit anyone's budget call key information solutions now 954-973-3374 That's 954-973-3374 Or visit keyinformation.com 
Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Free stuff for you just for listening to this station. Yeah, we got your attention. Here's how it works. You click on the radio loyalty banner right now and sign up. Then you keep on listening like you already do. But now you earn points. Those points add up, and you can trade them in for cool stuff in the radio loyalty store. Earn more points by sharing your station with friends on Facebook and Twitter, answering surveys, and by using the apps in the new player's app store. Pretty simple. Free stuff just for doing what you already do. Radio loyalty. Click the banner to join now. 4,734 UFO sightings in 2007. 854 abductions by aliens or unknown species reported by American and British citizens. Hundreds more unreported in 2007. Suppressed information about collisions with passenger aircraft and UFOs that has been kept from the public knowledge for years. And only one trusted source on information from some of the top UFO researchers in the world. Exclusive information that cannot be found anywhere else on the planet. Trusted, connected, accurate. TheUFOStore.com Expand your personal library with fast shipping and instant downloadable information from the largest selection of UFO products on the internet by going to theufostore.com or call on the 24-hour, 7-day-a-week order line at 541-523-2630. The truth is out there, and theufostore.com has it. So, Jacqueline. Yes, Mom? I wanted to talk to you about something, and... Oh, wait. Hold on. I just got a text. Oh, there's another one. Wow. Busy, busy me. So, anyway... Oh, wait, Mom. I just got a message. My friends keep commenting on my comment. Oh, there's another one. So many comments on my comment. Oh, I can't wait to watch TV tonight. Playoffs! Hey, guys, check out my new video game. Wait, wait. Mom, what? What? Hold What'd on. you say? Wait a second, huh? This weekend, unplug. Take your family to the forest. There's nothing in the world like experiencing nature firsthand. Trees, paths, bluebirds, streams. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. As I jump inside the ocean so blue With their sophomore release, Tidal Wave We've waited all this time To get the real world off your mind Get yours on iTunes Listen on Spotify Determination South Florida's own Bushwood Close your eyes For samples and shows, go to bushwoodband.com Remember 
Future Theater can be heard every Monday night at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, with your host, Bill, that's me and Nancy, I, Karumba, Burns, and we are broadcasting live right here on the PSN Radio. Breaking the walls down. This is radio. This is what people want. To download the podcast, make sure you go to www.futuretheater.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to Inside the Jackal's Head, live again on PSN-Radio and SoFlow Radio. I want to thank again my guest, Lauren Leo, who was with us for the uh, hour, uh, and uh, the author of the book, Dragon Flame. Uh, please, everybody, check that book out. Fascinating uh, book. You know, the subject in itself is very interesting to me, the whole astral projection and astral realm and uh, all that stuff has always been fascinating. Uh, there's a lot of uh, truth to uh, stuff like that, uh, believe it or not, folks. Uh, you know, reality is not always what it seems. Reality is not always what is catered to be by the media or by the masses. Uh, and, for example, reality is changing at an ever-rapid rate. You know, just a few years ago, uh, it was taboo for an NFL player to come out of the closet before he became an NFL player and get drafted into the NFL as the first openly gay player. Now we have Michael Sams, and we have somebody who's done that. Uh, you know, just uh, 10 years ago, we never thought we'd see a black president. Now we have Barack Obama in the White House as a black president. So, you know, our reality is constantly changing and constantly evolving. So it's funny when I, I come across an article like one from the Greenville Gazette. Uh, this is hysterical, but it says here, and I had to read this, by the way, on air because it's so funny, but it says a Utah politician is starving himself. He won't eat until the state bans same-sex marriages. Now, I, for one, say I hope he starves to death, and I just hope you know this jackass is uh, off the planet as quickly as possible. But uh, let me read this real quick. It says, Utah politician Tristan Meacham is uh, fasting in protest of same-sex marriages in uh, the Utah uh, courts, which ruled in favor of marriage equality. Uh, but Meacham says that he will not eat until the state bans same-sex marriage. He says, and I quote, I cannot stand by and do nothing while this evil takes root in my home, Mitchum said, and he followed that up with, it's, it is time for the state to stop wasting time. Our so-called conservative lawmakers need to show some courage and stand against the judicial tyranny. They need to exert the will of the people. What this jackass doesn't understand is the will, the will of the people, not the wheel, but the will of the people, have spoken. The, you know, the people voted for same-sex marriages. You know, it's, it's funny that it's 2014, you know, everybody's the 21st century, and we still have idiots like this guy. Again, he cannot get off of the earth fast enough as far as I'm concerned, but uh, let's just hope that he succeeds and he starves to death. Uh, it says here, now he has not eaten since December 21st. Now, mind you, it's May 18th. He has not eaten, he claims, since December 21st. How is that even possible? I don't know. I'm not sure if that's even humanly possible, but uh, it claims here that he's lost 25 pounds only since December 21st. Now, he says he would only eat when the state disobeys the federal government by reinstating the ban on same-sex marriages. So, in other words, he's only going to eat when they break the law. 
The Supreme Court ruled that uh, notification is unconstitutional, but Mitchum wants Utah legislature to nullify the federal law. Now, Utah State is already scheduled to spend about $2 million to fight the Supreme Court ruling that same-sex marriages are illegal under the Constitution. So again, Utah always 50 years behind the rest of us and proving it with this article. They are still behind the times. Guys, get with the program. Uh, Gay people, straight people, white, black, it doesn't matter, man. They're all human beings, and everybody has the right to be miserable. Everybody has the right to live their lives. Everybody has the right to be happy or unhappy, no matter what the situation may be. If you want to get married, I say I don't care if you're straight or gay. Go for it. If you want to join the army, I say go for it. I don't care if you're straight or gay. They should all be allowed to join the army. You know why? Because I'm not joining the army. I'm not putting my life on the line. Let somebody else do it. I don't care who it is. I don't care if the guy is gay or if the girl is gay or if the guy is straight or the girl is straight. doesn't matter because in the war field, Oh, what? my God. You're going to get shot at, so it doesn't really matter your sexual preference at all, you know what I mean? And uh, honestly, you know, marriage, look, everybody has the right to be with who they want and and be happy, you know what I mean? Just uh, not have to worry about stupid idiots like this guy. Uh, Again, I kind of hope that he succeeds in one aspect, and that's in killing himself. But 25 pounds, that's kind of unbelievable. This guy has not eaten, he claims, since December 21st. Now, how is that possible? Since December 21st, and he's only 25 pounds? How's that even possible? You would figure five months, uh, dude would be starving to death right about now, right? I mean, you would think so. I mean, you would think that uh, after five months, well, you're sort of going to die. But uh, no, apparently only 25 pounds is what this guy's lost. Okay. And, uh, well, moving on. This guy's an idiot. So uh, people in Utah, get with the program. Now, there's another article here. This is by OpenMinds.tv. Our good friends over there are always reporting good stuff. This is from Jason McClellan. And uh, it says here, alleged alien abductee, Chess Federation president running for re-election. Wait, what? Uh, the long-standing president of the World Chess Federation, F-I-D-E, is running for re-election. Uh, Kursan, and I am going to butcher this last name for sure. Um, here we go. Ilyamonianov. That's not kidding, guys. Kursan Ilyamonianov. I think he's Russian. But anyway, uh, this is here, who has led the FIDE for 18 years, registered earlier this week, making his entrance in the ele- uh, election of as the uh, making the entrance in the election official. Uh, but his opponent, former world champion Gary Kasparov, is determined to defeat the sitting president because he feels public comments about extraterrestrials made by Kursan, uh, who claims to be an alien abductee, are negatively affecting the Federation. And I'm not talking about the Federation of Planets here. Uh, the Federation of Chess. Now, uh, Ferran, who is a former president of the Russian Republic, so he is Russian, of Kalmyakia. 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 I always butcher Russian names. Has been outspoken about his uh, interactions with extraterrestrials. And in fact, in 2010, he publicly claimed to have met with extraterrestrials in Moscow, where uh, he was given a lot of vodka, taken into a room, 
and they took his pants down and they sodomized him. No, no, that's not what happened. Uh, where he says he communicated with them, uh, was shown around in their spaceship, and was even taken into outer space as opposed to inner space. Now, he claims that he's been taken uh, by extraterrestrials on multiple occasions and has spoken publicly about it for many decades. Uh, and it's because of this that uh, he thinks that he is ill-suited to run the FIDA. This is why uh, Kasparov thinks that uh, Firan, the other Russian guy, is uh, ill-suited to run FIDE because he claims to be an alien abductee. In fact, Kasparov has plainly stated that he believes uh, his extraterrestrial comments are a disaster for the organization. He also believes that uh, Firan's extraterrestrial opinions are preventing FIDE from growing and he says the Guardian explains that he believes no Western sponsor will ever be with someone who talks about aliens. That kind of uh, makes sense because we're having a hard time getting sponsorship on the network here. We we do our fair share of alien conversation. And it says here, in addition to his claims of personal contact with extraterrestrials, Ferran believes that humans are a product of extraterrestrial intervention. He clearly believes in Zechariah Sitchin's work, I guess. Uh, and he says he asserts here that chess was given to humans by the extraterrestrials. And in 2006, he even told the Guardian that my theory, and, I, and I quote, I'm quoting here, my theory is that chess came from space. Why? Because the same rules, 64 square black and white, and the same rules in Japan and China and Equator in Mongolia, in Africa, the same rules, man. The rules are the same. Why? Why? I think it seems, it seems maybe it's from space. It's the only explanation. It had to be from space. Uh, <clears throat> and he believes his mission is to is its mission in life is to bring peace to the world through chess. Huh? The victor of FIDE presidential election will be decided in August at the World Chess Olympiad in uh, Norway. So aliens gave us chess. Huh? What do you guys think about that? Believe in that? Aliens gave us chess? You know, I would think they gave us checkers, not so much chess. I don't know, chess is a little weird. Checkers, maybe. I don't know, I can't see a bunch of little gray aliens in a ship somewhere, in Alpha Centauri or in another galaxy, just sitting around playing chess. But then again, chess does show up in Star Wars in a galaxy far, far away. So you never know. There could be some truth to it. Maybe there is some truth to it after all. Now here's a funny story that um, I really wanted to get to before the show ended today. Uh, <laughs> this is going to make you laugh just from the uh, the subject of the article. This was posted uh, not a couple of weeks ago. I missed it when they originally posted it. And I just came across it a couple of days ago and I had to bring it up. Uh, it says, nine-month-old boy accused of plotting a murder. Hold on, I'm going to read that again. Nine month, nine months, a nine-month, nine-in-a-month, nine-month-year-old boy accused of plotting a murder. Now, I am pretty sure when I was nine months years old, the last thing on my mind was plotting a murder. Okay? But the article says, and uh, no, it's not a typo. It's not a typo, but it says a nine-month-old 
Pakistani. Oh, well, there you go. He's a Pakistani boy. That makes perfect sense now. They're all they're born trying to kill us, right? That's what the, uh, the that's what the media wants us to believe. But Pakistani boy uh, has been charged with plotting the murder and th- well, plotting a murder and threatening the government. Apparently, he said something to the uh, to the lines of, <clears throat> "I'm going to quote here." And that was taken as a very heinous plot to destroy the government. And his name is Baby Muhammad Mosa Khan. I'm not kidding, folks. The baby's name is Muhammad Khan. Huh? Now you would think this is an April first uh, article, but it's not an April Fool's joke at all. This is a real article. Baby Mohammed Mosa Khan appeared in court along with thirty other people who police have accused of trying to murder officers by throwing rocks at them. Now this kid is in a picture here. He's like eight, nine months old in this picture, holding a baby bottle, which is being helped. He's being helped to hold his baby bottle on his, you know, to his mouth so he can drink milk. Uh, I doubt very much that he has the power in the arm to throw rocks at the police and try to kill them. If a nine-month-old baby has the kind of arm strength to throw rocks at the police and be accused of trying to murder police officers, I am going to tell every Major League Baseball team out there and every NFL team out there to sign this kid right now. He's either going to be a pitcher or a quarterback because he has the golden arm. At nine months old, he is threatening the police by throwing rocks at him. That's incredible. Now, during the court session, the baby sat with his father and innocently drank from his bottle that his father was helping him with because he doesn't really have that kind of arm strength. Luckily for him, though, he he was given bail. So they actually gave this kid bail. Jesus Christ, man. When Chief Minister Mohammed Shabazz Sharif... That can't help either. Uh, saw the child. He was incredulous and immediately suspended uh, the assistant uh, superintendent who filed the uh, the original charges. So when they discovered that this kid was being brought up on charges, <laughs> they fired the guy who did it. Eh, ironic. The group of uh, people were protesting against the electricity shortage in the area. Uh, that was the initial protest. And uh, I guess some cops got rocks thrown at them, right? Who in their right minds would bring up charges on a nine-month-year-old child? I mean, really? Is that what society has come to? Is that how stupid some people are? That they're bringing up charges on a nine-month-year-old child? Like, society is jumping the shark right now, if that's what's going on, folks. I mean, if, if now babies are being taken to court... Because supposedly they're throwing rocks at people. Mind you, they can't even walk or say anything beyond, you know, beyond gaga goo goo yet. But apparently a nine-month-old could threaten to kill a cop. I don't know. This is bizarre times we're living in. Uh, another article, and uh, this is going to be the last article I get to tonight. Sugar-packed cereals are wrecking kids' health. And that's a report. So all you lovers of cereal out there, and I'm one of them. I love cereal in the morning. I love eating cereal sometimes in the afternoon. I'm a cereal-holic. But it says here that U.S. children are consuming more than 10 pounds of sugar annually if they eat a typical morning bowl of cereal each day. So that explains a lot of uh, obesity problems, huh? 
Yeah, mine included. Anyway, uh, contri- uh, hey, yeah, no kidding. It says here, uh, contributing to obesity and other health problems. And uh, cereal makers and regulators are doing little to address the issue, according to this study released on Thursday. Uh, the Environmental Working Group. Yeah, that's right, fat ass. And what? Pete, man, look, you've been very quiet this whole show. Don't start with me. The Environmental Working Group, uh, a Washington, D.C.-based health information nonprofit, said that reports cover uh, more than 1,500 cereals, including 181 marketed to children. Now, as part of the report, uh, as part of the report, a group uh, re-examined 84 cereals it studied in similar reports in 2011 and found that sugar content of those cereals remained an average of about 29%. Okay. That can't be good. Obviously, we know that cereals have a lot of sugar in them. Duh. Uh, it says here, uh, but said, uh, and by the way, this is a quote from Don Underridge, an EWG consultant and co-author of the report. Uh, and I'm going to quote again here. Uh, Don said, but there is a lot of manufacturers that can be doing, uh, that can be uh, doing, and FBA can be doing, uh, well, hold on, let me read that again. But there is a lot that manufacturers can be doing and FDA can be doing to protect the kids, which they're not. The groups uh, said that the worst offenders on the list are the Kellogg's Corporation. I love Kellogg's, Honey Smacks, uh, and uh, those two are the worst by far with about 56% okay. of sugar by the weight. 56%. Now, look, I understand you want to make it a delicious treat. But that's a lot of sugar to put in anybody's body, especially kids. And, you know, we're always told that, oh, sugar is great in the morning, or cereal is great in the morning. Not sugar, but cereal is great in the morning. Eat your cereals and Kellogg's. I mean, Kellogg's is like one of the leading cereal brands. Everybody buys Kellogg's. I got two Kellogg's boxes in the you living turn- right now. Ah. Uh, you can't eat anything anymore. Everything's bad for you. It's horrible. Now, this is your um, a child eating an average of uh, an average serving of a typical children's cereal eats more than about ten pounds of sugar a year. Uh, from that source alone, the average daily intake of added sugar for children are about two to three times the recommended amount. The EWG said a Kellogg's official said that the company has cut sugar in its top-selling uh, kid cereals by about twenty to thirty percent over time. That means they ain't done nothing yet. The company said the EWG report ignores the benefits provided by the cereals breakfast, including the pre-sweetened cereals. Cereals, uh, when it says when you consider they constitute a good breakfast cereal and fat-free milk, pack a powerful nutritional punch, lower in fat and calories than many other breakfast choices, and including many nutrients that people might otherwise miss. I don't know with nutrients, but yeah, I'm sure there's some in there, but said, you know, the com- this is a company spokesman who said this, uh, Chris Charles, so of course they're going to say something positive about cereal and milk, but you know, milk is not good for you either, when your body gets milk in it, it becomes sugar, so it's more sugar, leading to more obesity, isn't that great? The report in the, is the latest in a uh, push by consumers uh, and health groups to p- convince food companies and regulators to cut Unhealthy ingredients from prepackaged foods in their products. The uh, the and it says here in March the Food and Drug Administration or the FDA, um, 
yeah, for dumb Americans, that's really what it stands for, uh, proposed that added sugar content, uh, content be listed in nutrients uh, facts panels and packaged foods, uh, but the serving size needs to be more accurately labeled, the EWG said. Cereal makers General Mills also has already cut the sugar content in its cereal advertised to, to children by uh, an average of about 16% since 2007. According to uh, spokeswoman Kirsty Foster, the company's cereal advertised to children have 10 grams of sugar or less per serving, with some uh, with some at 9 grams, Foster said. But the serving is like a spoonful, or like a, it's very small serving size. So there's still a lot of sugar. You know, it's not like you're saying, oh, it's only uh, 16% or it's only, you know, 10% or 10 grams of sugar on the whole box. You know, that's not bad. But when you're talking about, you know, 10 grams per serving and the serving's like two spoonfuls, that's not good. You know, so, I mean, they, I think they're just messing with the label to try to fool you. Honestly, uh, this is, I mean, it's no secret that there's, you know, sugar and a lot of stuff, but I mean, really... To say that, oh, you know, cereal and milk is a healthy, nutritional thing to put in your body early in the morning is foolish because that's just nothing but sugar you're putting in your body. Uh, you know, I've gotten, uh, you know, I've I've tried in the last uh, couple of years to really get into a healthier uh, eating habit and healthier lifestyle. And, uh, you know, I always thought that, you know, Wheaties in the morning is a good thing. Now it's not. You know, I, I kind of see that it really isn't. So you really, you're, you know, always you're always learning, uh, you know, how to better your life and how to change things. And uh, you know, we all really need to reevaluate the way we eat. Jesus Christ, man, this is just. Uh, it, it's funny to uh, to read this article and not understand that the companies like Kellogg's are some of the biggest contributors to the problem. You would figure like the bigger companies would, you know, not involved with the you know with so much sugar they'll like cut the sugar back because they're the big companies right they have all the money why would they purposely try to destroy your body why would they purposely try to kill you by putting all that sugar because really that's what it does you know sugar is the leading cause to not only obesity but uh cancers are all aided by sugars you know dealing with my mother who has cancer um and learning about the disease itself and the illness uh, in the last uh, eight months, it's it's really an eye eye opener. It's really awakening me uh, to the, to that whole you know that whole terrible disease. And um, sugar really is the number one proponent for for inducing cancer, for uh, awakening cancer cells. Uh, for anybody who wants to fight cancer and fight, and you know start before you you ever get diagnosed. Uh, you know, the best way to do it is really just to cut your sugar intake from the very beginning. Uh, you know, for your kids, don't put them on sugary treats. Don't give them cereal. You know, cut milk out of their diet after a certain period when they're young so they don't develop that the need for sugar. Because we're really a sugar-based society. I mean, sugar is in everything, and it's uh, it's terrible. It's really bad for your, for your body. So... You I mean, again, you would think that a big company like the Kellogg's Corporation would know better, right? You would think that the FDA would know better. Again, the Food and Drug Administration, bleh. You whore. It's more like the for dumb Americans who don't know any better. That's really what it is. <laughs> and all of them, all a bunch of, all of them. Every single one of the members of the FBI. You jackass. 
They're all jackasses, every single one of them. And it's a shame that uh, we put so much stock into uh, into them and believe, you know, that if the FDA approves it, it must be good for you. But didn't the FDA at one point approve of cigarette smoking and that we know that's bad for you? It's it's ridiculous. Anyway, uh, we're all out of time, guys. We're you know we're gonna cut it uh, right here. We have uh, the Outer Edge coming up in a couple of minutes. Uh, please stick around on PSN Radio for the Outer Edge with uh, Mike Mott and Tim Schwartz. I'll be back on live on Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 a.m. Eastern on Skywatchers Radio. Please check that show out this week. It's going to be really awesome. We have uh, Rich Giordano on, and we're going to talk about UFOs and alien contact and his videos and his show, the AZ UFO Show, uh, which is on Blog Talk Radio. Not my favorite place in the world, I know, but, uh, you know, he's a, he's a friend. I've known him for a long time, and it's a, a lot of fun having him on the show and talking to him. So that's going to be a lot of fun, guys. Uh, stick around, for, like, like I said, for The Outer Edge, and uh, stick around on PSN Radio all the time. I don't want anybody to ever get any sleep at all. I want you guys to be awake 24 hours a day, seven days a week, glued to psn-radio.com. And if I find out you're not, well... I might start casting my own magic and coming after all y'all and making you listen to psn-radio.com. Until next time, until next week, this is Inside the Jackal's Head. Peace, everybody.